Well, hey guys, welcome back to the show again. Glad to be with you. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. And uh, I know you guys are probably sick of hearing me talk about it, but um, recently partnered up with Go Hunt. Um, and today I got a podcast with one of the co founders of Go Hunt, Lorenzo Sartini. Um, Lorenzo is a really interesting guy, a great businessman. Um, heck of a hunter. When I was out there in Vegas, I saw his office and <laughs> it is uh, impressive to say the least. He has an entire wall of like killer antelope mounts, a nice collection of sheep and um, but still a really humble guy. Like um, I would never have honestly, I didn't even know he was that accomplished of a hunter till I went and saw his office, um, which kind of speaks to his humility. But uh, yeah, killer hunter. Um, you know, he was an athlete, uh, you know, big into football. Um, you know, obviously, as we get into the episode, he's built a really impressive company in Go Hunt. You know, they have the gear shop. Uh, they just launched Outdoor Class, which is an e-learning platform. Um, they have their research tools, and then they also have their mapping tools that just launched. Um, all really good stuff, stuff I use uh, regularly. Um, I've mentioned before, and I'm going to mention again, uh, if you need anything in the gear shop or you want to sign up for Go Hunt, you know, I've been using Go Hunt for years, even before I started the podcast, even before it was even a question of partnering with them. Uh, I, I joined Go Hunt as an insider just because it's a legit research tool. And, you know, um, I haven't accomplished like insane amounts in my career as far as Western hunting goes, but, um, everything I have accomplished, I owe part of that to Go Hunt because, um, such a, just such a great resource. Uh, and I just learned so much and, and used it a lot. So now I'm using their mapping software. Um, they got a killer gear shop with good stuff in there. Anyway, I've talked about it before. Um, you can use the code quest. Now I do have a small correction. I've been saying 20% you save in the gear shop. That is actually not correct. And that's an honest mistake on my part. I was not trying to trick you guys or anything like that. Uh, you save 10%, not 20. So I apologize for that. I wanted to fix that error. Um, it's still a good deal and you still will be supporting the show and you use when, when you use that code and be getting some great deer, great gear. So it's a win-win for all. But I just didn't want to correct that. So um, anyway, uh, it's a great conversation I have with Lorenzo. We talk about Gohan a little bit, but um, also we talk about conservation and, um, you know, uh, non-resident hunting and, and all that kind of good stuff. So hope you enjoy this one, and we'll see you on the next one. Yeah, let me just say to the listeners out there, welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. I'm here today um, with the founder and CEO of Go Hunt, Mr. Lorenzo Sartini. How you doing, man? Good. I hate titles, so we'll <laughs> drop the CEO part. We'll just say somehow I'm lucky enough to be the founder. Yeah, man. Um, we were just talking about coming back from a long weekend. So, uh, would you would you guys do out there in Vegas? Uh, I got a. I have a three year old son, so just oh, a nice. Ton of- pool and and makeshift uh play pirates play <laughs> water balloons play just a lot of that kind of stuff but he was he was having a blast he's finally old enough now at three to like understand fourth of july is something right you know? like he was pretty excited for it um and then just the legal fireworks now that he's three <laughs> yeah be clear that they were, that be clear that they were legal so did a bunch of that um just a lot of pool. I mean, shit. And 
and sorry, can we cuss on here? Is that okay? Um, yeah, I mean, I usually keep it clean. So, but I mean, like, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll, yeah, I'll keep it. not a big deal. But yeah, we uh, just a lot of pool. I mean, in, in Vegas, like if you don't in the summertime, if you're not in the pool, yeah. you're gonna pretty much die. So it's got to be like the surface uh, of the sun out there right now. Yes. yes. Although I will say, like my wife and I were talking, we got really lucky on the fourth. I mean, other people might not think this is lucky, but it was only I think it was 101 or 102. It was nice out. And then at night, like it was beautiful at night. So yeah, kind of lucky. That is nice. And here, I mean, I'm in Virginia and um, 102 with like 90% humidity just hits different. You know what do I mean? You, get, do you guys actually get that hot? Um, That's rare. Usually we're high 90s, you know, mid 90s. But like I said, when you add yeah, that. I would, I, would take, I would take 110 in Vegas over that all day yeah, long. That's what I'm saying, dude. Long. That's sticky. Yeah. Just like you walk out and you instantly just yeah. feel gross. Yeah. Family, so my mom's side of the family is from Galveston, Texas. Okay. In the summertime down there too. I mean, yeah, it's only 90 degrees, but it's 98% humidity. Like yeah. get me out of there. I can't stand it. Yeah. People, it's like, even at nighttime, it's miserable. It's miserable. And people think I'm crazy when I say in Vegas, like as long as you're in the shade, it's super manageable. Like yeah. it's really not that hot because it's so dry, you know, right. like, in the shade, like if you're in the black shade, you're, you're good. Yeah. That's cool, man. Um, so we were just saying, so yeah, you're, you're based in Vegas. So I know you got kind of some guys in different spots. Yeah. Um, who is there in the Vegas office? So we have about the majority of the team is, is here in the office in Vegas on a given, on a given. So we have like a hybrid work from home ever since the, right. the virus. Right. So like we kind of, we, we run these cycles where some of the departments will come in and, and others will have an off week. So we don't like overrun the office with noise and, and crazy stuff. But about <laughs> once a quarter, we have everyone come in, um, in the home office here in Vegas. And there's, I don't know, there's maybe 40 or 50 people here. So like Brady is here. Chris Neville's here. Trail is in Cedar city, but that's probably the three that most people would, would know. Yeah. Um, myself and Chris Porter, the guy I founded the business with, um, he's, uh, he runs the operations of the business. He's here. Our like warehouse and, and e-com setup is all here. Okay. Um, our CTO is here. So like a lot of the, this is definitely headquarters. Mm -hmm. Um, and then our Cedar office, Cedar city, Utah there, that's like what we call the research office. So Brandon Evans, which a lot of people would know, um, and his whole team. So he runs that office up there. Um, so that's all of our like research team, the people that are actually doing the analytics of, of the fishing game. Yeah. Outputs. They're the ones that are kind of ingesting parsing and, and putting that all into, into their place. Nice. Um, and then we have a office in Bozeman, which is our content office. So a lot of okay. our, a lot of our content that we do with other people and a lot of the content that we are currently doing now with outdoor class yeah, uh, ran, ran out of that office. Nice. Yeah, man. I've been uh, diving into outdoor class a little bit and yeah. I want to get into that a little later, but you guys, I mean, it's killer. Just the visuals and the thing are beautiful and just the way it's put together is yeah. oh, top notch. It's always good. It's always a good thing to have this but i i genuinely am surprised how amazing it turned out like i i obviously had high hopes right why would you ever go into a venture if you don't have high expectations and high hopes right, right. Like you're set up for failure if you don't have that but even going into it with that and i do have high standards um i'm not you know i'm not shy of the fact that i have 
very high standards. I think it would show through go hunt and what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even with that, like when it, when it returned back, well, kind of the first pass of looking at it and going through it and seeing how this was all going to line out. I mean, I am, I am very surprised at how well all of this really did come together. Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously content is very important. Like what's being said, what's yeah. being taught, but at the same time, it's just like a podcast. Like if you turn on a podcast and it sounds like some garbage recorded in a garage, like you're probably going to turn it off, even if what the guy's saying is good. So yeah. like the fact that, um, like I was looking at the mule deer module with Remy Warren and like just the, the B roll footage is just like beautiful. And you're just like, it just makes you want to watch it more. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. There's no question about it. Just the look and feel right. The five senses. I mean, obviously the smell is out of it (laughs) uh, since we're, we're indoors and watching it through a screen, but yeah, it's like the more, the more you can put all of them, all of it together, the visual and the audio and like all the feel, the vibe you get from it, the more all of that comes together, just, just the better it is. And and it really did come together. Like it's, uh, Awesome. But I do want to talk a little bit more about that later, but just kind of jump in, just getting to know you a little bit, man. Like, um, what was it, uh, what was it like growing up in Vegas? It sounds interesting. <laughs> it was, it was interesting. Not as interesting as, as some may think. Um, I like it's, it's pretty normal. So Vegas, if you stay on the local side, so like the really interesting thing about Vegas is you obviously have the strip. That's what everybody knows. Right. Um, casinos and hotels and these massive resorts in the middle of the desert. It's, Vegas is obviously super famous for that, but it obviously takes a lot of people to support, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of workforce at these major resorts and, and all the attraction that we have here in Vegas. So there's a huge local side of, of the town, like a massive local side. And back when I was growing up, it's much bigger now. Um, I actually live where I used to, to cottontail hunt. Literally right now I live where I used to cottontail hunt in high school. <laughs> Um, which is interesting, but back in the day, like when I was, when I was in high school, there was two major parts of the town. There was the West and then the Southeast. So Henderson and, and kind of Summerlin West area of, of Vegas. And I grew up on the West side. Um, and like, it was pretty, it was pretty normal, you know, like super local kind of new everyone who lived around you. Vegas is really famous for being a small big town like if you are if you are born and raised here it does feel very small like you're always going to school with somebody's cousin or or brother or you know some kind of family member like my parents you know my parents went to school with my best friend's parents right like it's just it's kind of interesting how that works out when you're a true local here um and sports and all that stuff it just feels very normal now the interesting part is my high school was on the strip, literally, like I had to take old. So I went to Bishop Gorman, which a lot of people may know. They're probably sour about Bishop Gorman. If they do know why it's become just a massive powerhouse in sports, Okay, high school sports. I did not go to that Gorman. I went to the original Gorman okay. before it became this national powerhouse that travels and beats everyone in one state every year and everybody hates it. Cause it is, cause it's a private school. So like, there's no zoning, there's no, right. So they, right. they kind of took off on the athletic side. But when I went to the old school before it became that my, my high school, the actual campus was one of the older schools here in town it was a Catholic school. And uh, it was down literally on old, the old strip. So I had to drive down uh, Las Vegas Boulevard, the North side of Las Vegas Boulevard, where it originally started like 
Binion's Horseshoe and, hmm. and old downtown casinos. Like I would drive through that to go to high school. So obviously there's a lot of uh, other attractions down there as well that <laughs> Las Vegas is well known for. Yeah. That, I would drive through that every day to go to high school, but it becomes, I mean, it becomes a, like just normal, just completely yeah. normal. Right? Yeah, man. So did you uh, play sports? I did. Yeah. I grew up playing, I grew up playing all sports. Um, but then when I got into high school, I took football very serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Foreman was, it was a good sporting school when I was there, but that wasn't what it was all about. It was much more academics, much more college prep, much more, um, focused around like getting people into really good schools, not so much athletics like it, like it is today, but it was, we did have good sports though. And, uh, yeah, I played, I played football. I was, very fortunate to to have some athletic talent that was allowed me to get looked at by some colleges but this is just a um, guess did you play defensive end i didn't i didn't okay. actually I'm, I'm a very large outside linebacker so okay I'm, I'm like defensive end size per se right <laughs> um but somehow i i was fast and light on my feet nice so, i don't know um so i played outside linebacker and kind of like a down safety uh, was what it would be known as today. Like we ran kind of an old school defense. So really today it'd be kind of like a special package, you know, strong safety, down safety is what nice. I was playing. Um, and yeah, I, I played, I got looked at by a bunch of schools. Um, super, super fortunate for that. And what it allowed me to do, honestly, is so I grew up as a hunter in Las Vegas. I came from my dad's side of the family. So my dad's side of the family, his uncle, Bill, his cousin Heath, um, they they were the hunters in the family, right? So my mom's side was from Texas. My dad's side is from Northern California. Okay. And those Northern Californians, they were farmers up there. So they did a lot of hunting, a lot of waterfowl hunting, big game hunting, kind of, you know, the yeah. old school farmers and provide for yourself kind of a life. And my dad's uncle Bill um, was a successful businessman and bought a piece of property in Southern Utah. And that's like, that's where the hunting came from. So my dad as a teenager and into college and as a, as a young adult was hunting with my uncle Bill in Southern Utah. Nice. Um, so that since, since I was born, I've been around it. My dad is a huge outdoorsman. I mean, granted he was extremely busy, um, in his career growing up, but we always found time to go hunting ever since I was a kid. Like what, what was your dad? What was your dad's career? What did he do? So he's in casinos and gaming. Okay. Um, so he's, he's worked his way up. I mean, he's got an amazing story if he ever would agree to do a podcast, but he's, yeah, he's, uh, he worked his way up from a 25 cent craps dealer now to he's chairman and CEO of a publicly traded wow. business, um, all That's casino awesome. gaming related. So resorts, you know, the stratosphere in Las Vegas, big, yeah, I heard big, of it. Big one. So he owns that, wow. um, nice. and a bunch of other casinos through, through Las Vegas, um, other parts of Nevada. He owns a gaming route in Montana and then a couple other like regional casinos, Maryland and, and some other places. So he, I mean, he truly worked his way up from being spit on as a 25 cent craps dealer when he was, you know, young twenties wow. into, into where he is today. So he was obviously unbelievably busy, yeah. but he was an amazing dad, like coached some of my baseball growing up, took me hunting anytime I wanted to. Um, but the hard part with, with it though, was, I was, I was very focused on football, right? He had a career and I was very focused on football, trying to get to the next level and football and hunting season don't do very well together. Yep. Obviously. They're, they're over the exact same time period. So it was always really difficult as serious as I was taking football 
to, to find time to go hunting the way I wanted to. So when I was getting looked at by some colleges, I really took that as my opportunity to like change my lifestyle, be, to be like a true outdoorsman, live in an outdoorsman's paradise, right? Like mm -hmm. it was my, my chance of, you know, Vegas, it's, it's nicely located for where it is, right? Yeah. Like we're, we're four hours any direction from amazing hunting. The OTC stuff in Arizona to, you know, all through four hours out of Vegas and Nevada is amazing. Southern Utah, all the opportunity in Southern Utah. Back when I was in high school, if you drew an archery tag, it was just a statewide archery tag. Oh, wow. I mean, you could, it was there was no units back then. So, I mean, there was really, it was really good opportunity. Um, but I wanted, I wanted that like out the back door kind of lifestyle. Right. And uh, so that's what I was looking at. I got looked at by some colleges and my my number one priority in the decision making was you know it was outdoors in paradise kind of a kind of a place so my dad went to university of utah um and i got looked at pretty hard by them and was essentially verbally offered which was cool that my dad went there and it was right after they beat alabama in the bowl game <laughs> so it was like it was pretty cool nice um but it just salt lake just wasn't you know, and I, I was really struggling with the decision of like, that was the best school I had, I had had an offer by, or even been looked at by, um, you know, and it's always, you always want to go to, to the best of your, to the best of your options. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was really struggling with like, I can't, I'm, I'm still in the same, I mean, it's Salt Lake city, right? I mean, yeah, there's hunting outside of it, but it's not, not what I'm looking for. Right. It's kind of the same of what I'm dealing with in Nevada in Vegas. So I was struggling pretty hard and I had a friend tell me about University of Montana, which is D1AA. And D1AA also is the requirements of time. I don't want to sound right. you know, like a like I'm trying to dodge out on some hard work, but it's No, I mean college sports is like legit. Yeah, That's like a you know? full-time job, man. And and what it was in my head too is I was just struggling with this like how can I kill two birds one stone? And I found University of Montana from a friend. I went up there on a, on a, uh, to a football camp. I was offered at the camp. Um, absolutely fell in love with Missoula with, I mean, that's, that is truly an outdoorsman's paradise. I was a big yeah. snowmobile back then too. So like, I mean, any direction you could go, there's snowmobiling, fly fishing, hunting. I mean, yeah, Missoula is beautiful, man. I was just up there. Um, I went to, I stopped by and stayed at Mark's house, Mark Livesey's house yeah, yeah. for a night before we went bear hunting. And like, that's a really cool town, man. I love it. Absolutely love it up there. And, uh, yeah, I fell in love. I was a big waterfowler too. And you know, I don't want to blow anything up, but Montana has some incredible waterfowl. Uh, waterfowl. Dude, you know, I was, there's like, I feel like there's a lot of waterfowl opportunity at West that like no one touches. Like we yeah. were, when I was antelope hunting in Wyoming, we'd be driving around looking for goats and like see a, a little pond and just be full of ducks. Nobody even giving them a second look. Yes. Like if you grabbed six decoys and just went out there, you could just like kill a limit and then go antelope hunting. It was, it was the waterfowl hunting was unbelievable. I don't want to, <laughs> I want to, don't want to sell it too hard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> my boss taking over, but it was incredible. So I, uh, I ended up going to university of Montana. Um, but there's my personality, you know, you, when you get older and more mature and you start to under, understand yourself a little bit better. Like I, I just, I have this, like, if I'm not fully bought into something, I can't fake it. I can't like, yeah, I'm the can't, same way. 
then I'm an all or nothing person too, which is really good or bad. Because if I'm into something, it is yeah. very hard to get myself to come back to like my current responsibilities. If I'm very, if I get super into something, I just want to like go down the path as far yeah. and as deep as possible, as quick as possible, yeah. like send. And it's always That's, hard. Yeah, like I said, it's a blessing and a curse too, because sometimes you can talk yourself out of stuff because you're like, I don't have time to do that 110%, so I'm not going to do it at all. And I know, and exactly, and I know what it's going to do to me, and I can't leave my current priorities, right? right. So, um, so I'm like, I'm just, I can't fake something if I'm not fully into it. I'm not good at multitasking at all, especially with like, you know, real dedication multitasking, not like, mm-hmm. you know, read a text message and talk to your wife at the same time. I'm talking like <laughs> full lifestyle decision making yeah. multitasking. And it just, it was, I was very unsettled with, you know, I, I'm making the decision to play based on hunting first. And I'm taking the opportunity away from somebody who might truly need a scholarship, which Mm -hmm. I I didn't. And, you know, and somebody who really wants to dedicate their lives to football, I'm trying to dedicate my life to getting out of Vegas, to be an outdoorsman. I don't need football to do that. Right. Right. Like, so I, it was a massive struggle in my mind of like, you know, the last thing you want to, you think you're a quitter. You think you're giving up on it. You think you're all this stuff. And I was pretty spun out on what I was going to end up doing. So I said, I'm going to go up there for the summer and kind of figure it out. See, see what's going on. I ended up revoking and, and staying in school there and just became like a true degenerate of an outdoorsman. Somehow <laughs> I graduated in four years still. Um, went to the business school there, finance and marketing. Okay. Uh, and I, I never failed a class, did very well. I don't, I honestly don't know how I did that looking back on like some of my pictures and videos and how much <laughs> I was actually out there. I bought a Chesapeake Bay retriever, trained oh, it myself, okay. went huge into waterfowl. Um, That's you know, where I got my start, man, because I grew up on the Chesapeake Bay. So yeah. my first hunting experience was in a duck blind or a dove field. And uh, yeah, man, it's fun. It, it's it's way too fun honestly yeah. like i get made fun of around the office here because you know there's there's a lot there's a few big game hunts that i would rather waterfowl hunt over and mm. and people just you know being in go hunting guys like right. brady some of these guys they just don't understand <laughs> but man i was so deep into it and like you said go water shoot a limit and go kill antelope or a whitetail afterwards i can't tell you how many times i did that and i mean it was awesome i traveled all through all the Northwest states, you know, Oregon, Washington, then I'd go East, North Dakota, South Dakota, Colorado, Wyoming. Like I was all over the place. Wow, there. Nice. And, uh, when I was, when I was living there, it wasn't like the, the true, the, there was no vision of go hunt by any means at this time, but there was like a paradigm shift in my mind where, you know, I was born and raised in the, in the Southwest where opportunity wasn't a thing. There are tons of tons of public land. And when I mean tons, I'm talking like 90 plus percent of the state is public. Mm. And like the private land just isn't even a thought like and down here, a lot of the a lot of the laws down here in the southwest states, the private land legally is on the land owner. So if you're not posted every 200 yards with marking tape or or neon paint or anything like trespass isn't a thing. It's all. Yeah, it's all on. So I, I just I grew up in a very different mindset of like. Tags were hard to get, but going hunting was super easy. Right. Then I'm up there in the Northwest and man, opportunity was like, I couldn't believe it. And I was meeting, I was meeting kids. This is a beautiful thing about college too. And just sports in general. Like 
I had some friends play play pro from high school. Um, and it's just, it's an amazing thing to be with the same with the with the same age group of people that are genuine generally into the same stuff, right? So yeah. like college sports, whatever it is, it's an amazing it gift is. to have. Like those times of your life are very special. Yeah. And when I was up there and I and I kind of built this group, well, we all kind of built a group, obviously, as friends, but you know, we had friends from each one of these different states, somebody who was a resident of North Dakota, South Dakota, Washington, mm. Oregon, Idaho, like, and they can help you figure out each state. Yeah, huh? We're all into the same stuff. So obviously I'm telling them about Nevada from a resident perspective, which is the best of the best, right? Like all yeah. the little and outs and they're telling me about their respective states. So mm. I start to learn like, man, you guys, you guys just think about this entirely different, you know, opportunity is, is like, it's everywhere right now. Where do you go hunting? Like now you need to start, you know, finagling access. And, you know, I never really heard the word access. I mean, down here, you park the truck and just start walking. You just hope you don't <laughs> die and find water first. You oh, know, man, it's so different out on the East coast, man. Like where I just came from is like, if you don't, if you're not like in a club or like own land or like your cousin owns land or something, like yeah. you're just pretty much out of luck. <laughs> yeah. And some of the Northwest, I mean, especially waterfowl hunting is, is very similar to that, right? Like you got to have connections and mm -hmm. ranch hands and, you know, bring them little gifts and, you know, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. So I really learned like the difference in, yes, it's both Western hunting, right? It's deemed as Western hunting, but like, it's so different Northwest to South to Southwest. Yeah. You know, it's, the, the Northwest is a lot, it's a lot more of the two worlds put together, kind of the whitetail East coast hunting mixed with the Southwest big game hunting. Like it's a, it's a really interesting mix of the two. Hmm. And uh, so I really started, really started to learn it and have this massive paradigm shift. So anyways, I ended up coming home, um, graduated, came home, was working for the family business. And, you know, I like, I just couldn't get it out of my head of how much opportunity was, was truly out there. So I'm coming home. Yeah. I, I now let me player. ask you too. Did you have a, um, a, like a desire to be in the business world or did you, did you really gravitate? Cause you said you did business school. I did too. And, um, were you really into that? Because, you know, I've dealt with a few hunting companies in my short span of doing this, but yeah. I got to say like go hunt is the most legit company i've ever dealt with like you know i recently yeah. be became like a you know a partner and been dealing with matt and stuff and yeah. um you know like when outdoor class came out he sent me like a one sheet and like you know just like very organized very detailed like good like just well done stuff yeah yeah um so yes i've always i've always been into the business world right but i have i do have this like i have this want to do it my way kind of streak in me. Right. So like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's been interesting as I've gotten older to I, this fire of, of doing things for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And just kind of taking my own path, you know, obviously coming from the family that I come from, there's, there's a lot of, uh, look, people are, people say whatever they want to say. They can always make an excuse or, or talk about it. And some of the times they are, they are right. But I just, I never wanted, I always tried to fend off of like 
somebody being able to say, oh, he did it just because his family or he could, yeah. do, could do it just because of his family. And honestly, that's why I was attracted to sports at a high level. That's why I've been attracted to hunting at a high level because yeah. no matter what family you come from, on you. Who you are, it is on you at the end of the day. Like either you're packing in 15 miles in the backcountry and getting something killed and coming out or you're not yeah. like there's no way around it. You have to do it the same way as everybody else. And so I've always been attracted to, to like recreational activities like that or, yeah. you know, you know, that's certain- interesting, man. Cause like, I, I feel that because my dad also is a self-made man, also very successful, built a uh, yeah. publicly traded company, uh, was in the Virginia state Senate. Um, and yeah. it, but I think that's one reason why I really gravitated toward. He got me started in waterfowl, but like when I found bow hunting whitetails, I was like, "That's me!" Yeah. And I like taught myself that, and I was like, "All in." Um, and yep. then this venture here is kind of like um, has completely nothing to do with what my dad does. Yeah. And he's been really cool about supporting me and helping me out, but um, but yeah, I feel that man. That's cool. Yeah. So I just I've always I've always I'm a middle kid too. Maybe that has something to do with it, like kind of that middle <laughs> child stuff going on. Uh, but I, yeah, I just like, I always try to find like, you know, the way to do it the right, no, I shouldn't say the right way, but the way to do it, like without the handout, right. Or without, yeah. uh, without the, you know, the, the complete safe fail. So, you know, I, I've always been into business, obviously just seeing what it's, how my dad is. And I, and I like business. Business is also a ton of strategy. I'm very like strategy mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, business is you're playing chess every day. It's, there's nothing better. Um, but again, that same kind of issue I had with football and being an outdoorsman or whatever, like gaming and casinos. I love it. I love what it's done for the family. I love what it's done for, for Nevada and Vegas. And I, I love all of it. It is, it's a very interesting life. I mean, it's entertainment at the end of the day. Right. Um, but like, I just, I'm not fully into it. So my mind would always be going down the path of hunting. Yeah. And I grew up as, you know, I grew up as a, as a redneck mountain man, just born in the wrong, in the wrong place. I mean, I, I really was, I was shooting rabbits out in the desert. I was shooting everything in my backyard known to man. Um, you know, it's just like what I was always trying to do going hunting any chance I got, and I just, I was born in, in the city. Can't do anything about that. Right. So I just, I tried to, to do as much as I could with, with the outdoors, with where I was born. Um, so when I came home, uh, you know, working for the family business, I just wasn't fully into, to gaming. And so I was constantly thinking about, you know, hunting and, and the opportunities there and how to get involved and all this stuff. And uh, so I, when I was, 23, maybe 24. I wrote an email to Jason Hairston of Kuyu. Um, I don't know if you know of Jason Hairston yeah. at all, but the, the founder of Kuyu. Mm-hmm. And cause he, he put out a, a content piece right before he launched the business called the defiant troublemaker. Hmm. It was an amazingly written piece of like, you know, he was, he was defiant in, in, shaking up this industry and shaking up what everything that it was that it was about and his personality lent itself very much to that i kind of on, on the personal side that's kind of how i looked at life is like kind of do do wanted to do things my own way you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the times you know at, at caused a lot of issues in my life having that that fire in me of like want to do things my way i mean 
wise people learn from other people, right? That's a the yeah. famous thing. And it took me a while to, to learn that. Um, but it just really stuck with me when I read that piece. So I reached out to him. I, I wrote an email, not expecting anything. And it was, I still, I reference it quite a bit. You know, I'll try to reference it every couple months or so just to remember where this all came from. Um, but it was, it's pretty embarrassing. I was not, I didn't know what I was asking. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of like, it kind of, it, it struck a chord with me. I wanted to reach out and I just, I put together an email that made no sense really. Uh, and, you know, I'm 23 years old. Anyways, he responds and to my surprise, he responded, Andy was coming through Vegas on a business trip. So he said, let's sit down and get some lunch. Oh, no idea funny. why he said, said that or agreed to it. I wish he was still around so I could ask him truly why he responded. Yeah. Um, but he did. And him and I ended up getting lunch and he was a huge mentor of mine um, doing something in the industry. There was a, there was a time there that I was going to go work for him in Dixon, California. So he was going to spin off his backpacks because he has those carbon, carbon fiber frames, the icon line. Mm -hmm. He was going to spin those off and do a, a backpack uh, company, like okay. kind of go more like, you know, fire, uh, firemen, military, all, all kinds of stuff. Gotcha. And I was going to go over there and, and help him with that. And, uh, did, ended up not working out, obviously best case scenario. Now looking at it now with, with where I sit today, but you know, it was, I thought I was like kind of making the leap of out of gaming, out of the family business, like going off and, and going to work for Jason and Kuyu. And when it didn't work, like it kind of puts you back at the, at the drawing board. And because I was settled with like, okay, I'm going to go do this. And then that goes out the, out the back door. And now it's, I was already, I kind of made the decision that I'm out and I want to yeah. go do this. And now I'm left with a blank slate. So just kind of thinking about. It's interesting well, how sometimes those things that are so disappointing in the moment actually, yeah. It's like, you know, from my perspective, it's, it's God, you know, has a plan for you. Um, but however you want to look at it, but, um, you know, it led you to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that was my first, like everything happens for a reason kind of experience. Mm -hmm. Right. I was pretty disappointed. Jason and I were really close. Um, you know, it's always, when you have that, like you finally make this, the decision you're settled, you know, you're going to work for them. And then it goes away. It was like, it was an interesting, another interesting time in my, my young career. So with that blank slate in front of me, I was just kind of thinking about what's out there. And interestingly enough, another everything happens for a reason type of type of story here. Chris Porter, who I co-founded the business with, he was working for the family business because at the time, online poker was still a very big thing. Like it oh, was yeah. huge worldwide, nationwide, massive thing. And he was very high up at, um, for the U S part of full tilt poker on the marketing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he, he was brought on board to the family business to, to bridge the interactive gaming license with a platformed product already. So at the time there was no technology platform that existed in the U S only overseas. Mm. And when the, when the government decided that, you know, there needed to be tax collected and all this stuff, you, you'll have to have Chris come on at some point to explain this poker world. Cause it's a wild, it's very hard for me to explain. I'm not into it at all. Yeah. 
the feds essentially said it's it's blacked out here in the u.s because no one's collecting no states or the government's collecting tax on this gaming where if you look at if you look at the stateside gaming that their tax rates are insanely high right like they are one of the most taxed things out there Hmm. um so when they're saying that they want to get their hands on the tax money of of the online poker there was this big there was this big fight of okay, how it's going to work is you have to have all these prerequisites to carry a license on stateside. And my dad fit all the prereqs of it, right? You had to have a resort gaming license. You had to have so many machines underneath your license. You had to have multi-jurisdictional. You had to have all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he and he fit it. Well, Chris was brought on to bridge his license with somebody who already built the technology and platform gotcha. that facilitate the playing of, of, a, of online poker. So... Chris was doing that. And what, when he was in the family business and I was kind of back at square one, figuring out what I wanted to do, I was doing all kinds of like application research and draws and things because what was out there just, it wasn't, I, I, the paradigm shift coming from the Northwest of like opportunity and coming back to the Southwest and opportunity not being a word. Like I wanted to shift that paradigm entirely with all, all my hunting people down here. So I was like, I'm telling them about opportunity and this and that, but you couldn't find it anywhere. It was very yeah. hard to find. I mean, back at the time there was ma- only magazines and the magazines were covering like top 10 right. units at best, which yeah. means no opportunity. Like that's what I was <laughs> always indoctrinated with is like, these are the 10 places to go hunting and you got to wait 10 years to do it. Yeah. Having the mentality of what I had in college, I'm like, man, this is no way. Right. So I'm, I'm doing a bunch of Google earth stuff and like finding mountain ridges that run into a different adjacent unit that have much better, much better draws and like really treating Nevada, Arizona, Utah, more as opportunity States. Like I was treating the States up there in the Northwest, but like on a, on a different strategy down here. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris Porter, him and I were friends, obviously same, roughly same age. You know, he's got a similar personality and uh, kind of noticed, he noticed what I was doing and, pulling my hair out every day, trying to figure all this stuff out. Cause I'm not smart enough to run my own draws, not smart enough to like truly do this, but I was trying, I was trying as much as I could. And to see like how much opportunity is, is in these States that isn't really known about. Right. Yeah. So I'm like doing all this stuff, reading, you know, NRS, uh, uh, NRS laws and all this stuff, trying to figure it out. Well, Porter kept asking me like, where's the ESPN.com for, for hunting. I'm like, well, there isn't that there's Mm. forums here check out these forums so i'm pulling up these forums like this is what i use the forums for this is what i post in the forums for this is you know why i use these magazines is these 10 units is like i don't want to go there i'm not applying there because i'll never draw the tag i'm looking at maybe a ridge line that runs into an adjacent unit that if i can find decent draws i'm like that's where i'm going to apply so we're doing all this stuff he keeps watching me for i don't know weeks months he's the kind of guy that is like absolutely relentless to the point of so much frustration of question asking. Like he will ask a million questions until he understands something. And everybody here, because he runs the operations of the business and everyone here, I'll tell you, like he will, he would drive anyone crazy with the amount of questions (laughs) he'll ask until it makes sense in his own head. It has to make sense in his own head. And if it doesn't, he just keeps pressing and pressing. The good news about that is when he presses, it, a lot of things 
it's like, I don't know if anybody's familiar with therapy by any means, but like when you start talking about things and saying things, things start to connect because you're kind oh, of yeah. externally, instead sure. of internally trying to connect them, you're externally throwing right. them around. You say it out loud and you're like, yeah, wow, that like, makes no sense at all. Exactly. <laughs> things don't, don't connect and things do connect. And you start to like, you start to realize all this stuff that's been in my head as I'm saying it to him. And as he's asking me questions back, I'm yeah. like, wow, this is, you know, this, there's a lot here. There's a lot of opportunity. And he kept saying, why don't we do all of it? Why can't we do all of it? Do you, is there information for all of it? Absolutely. There is information for all of this. Like the state has to right. provide information on all of the hunting opportunity out there. So he asked me, well, why don't, can you build something with all of it? I said, well, if it's possible. And he said, yeah, it absolutely is possible. It's the internet. Like anything is possible. And that's where I was not familiar. I mean, I came from brick and mortar gaming and was yeah. a redneck all through college. So like, I just, I had, it's when Amazon and Zillow and, you know, all these travel websites were all blowing up. So he was looking at it from, cause that's the world he was in, right. It's like yeah. how to make everything super easy online. I mean, mm -hmm. he, that's what he was doing with poker, get more people in, make it easier, make it easier for them to play all this stuff. So he's looking at it from that lens. I'm looking at it from there's opportunity. I just need to find it so I can, so I can provide it to people. Yeah. And that was, that was the genesis for, for go hunt was yeah. that paradigm shift I had in college mixed with the, the vision of online from Chris Porter, Yeah, my vision of overall hunting now that it was much better rounded out from where I grew up to where I went to college and, and everything in between. Yeah. And him and I worked together and, and starting to produce like a real business opportunity. And we did. Yeah. Dude, um, it's, it's so amazing because, you know, I, I'm, fairly new into the game of western hunting and so go hunt was already around when i kind of started um yeah. which was amazing because i've been using go hunt for years like since i started and um i can't imagine like trying to do what i did or like trying to get into it without having that resource um yeah and even like you know it's so amazing for research not only for regulations but also just like information about units um, and even just like, like your people, which is kind of leads me into the next thing is like, um, I like was trying to figure out where to go kill my first antelope, which is right here. And like, I reached out to trail and he like personally talked to me and like helped me find a place to go. Cause I was an insider and, I, but he's so cool. I think he probably would just help me anyway, but, um, he's awesome. I love trail. Yeah, me too. He's been on the podcast before, but, but it kind of leads me into my, next segment which is um i'd love to hear you, like you talk on the importance of tribe and like how you built this crew of guys like where did you find like brady and trail like i can <laughs> i can imagine yeah. you like pulling brady like off a mountain somewhere like all scraggly and stuff and like you're not trails you're out not far off. Hunting. <laughs> yeah you're not far like, off at all on the brady the brady comment not yeah how point. did you build this uh this this crew that you got oh. assembled so Chris and I, we, we understood the value of how even evenly weighted our perspectives were on his coming from online and mine coming from hunting. And when we were building out all of the magic that came from, you know, his completely brand new mind to hunting, but his understanding of online 
and then like what he would bring to the table and then my completely fresh mind of online but full understanding of hunting mm-hmm. like we outweighed each other so nicely on on each of our weaknesses that we actually bolstered both of our strengths by the questions we were asking mm-hmm. and we like there was a lot of magic in that and so we were like maniacally focused on when we build out this team for every you we're going to bring on a me right mm-hmm. so like we're, we're going to keep this weighed out like this so this magic in between can keep happening so we hired a a tech guy first our first like actual hire his name was andrew baca and then from there we hired brady miller and how i found brady miller was through instagram okay and at the time i was pretty active on on instagram just because i you know i was hunting a lot and i was my relationship with Jason and Kuyu and some of the other guys that I've known in the industry, Brendan Burns, who works at Kuyu as well, is like one of the most unbelievable hunters on the planet, bow hunters mm-hmm. on the planet. Um, like I was, I was pretty active there, and I found Brady through through that. And I'm like, man, this guy, this guy, you can just tell he knows what he's doing. Yeah, and he's a photographer, so it doesn't help, you know, free assets, right? Right. It's yeah. like marketing is a, a big thing, and Man, he just, everything he talked about through his social and who he was, he's just such a real person. I'm like that, that is, and he was from, he's from Minnesota, but lived in Montana and was doing all kinds of, of hunting that I was doing that I was Mm -hmm. familiar with. Like he would be, he would be awesome. So I reached out to him on Instagram and this is where you're not wrong. He was (laughs) tagging fish in the backcountry as a fish biologist tagging fish in the Montana backcountry. He had spent 126 days in a tent that year. Oh my God. <laughs> the year we pulled him out of the backcountry. So you really did out. pull him out yeah. of a mountain he tent. Legitimately, <laughs> legitimately 100% pulled him out of the backcountry. It was 126 days in a tent. And we pulled him to Las Vegas. And he, wow. You know, he was got, it hard to get him to like move to Vegas? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no. I mean, he, he believed in, in what we were doing yeah. he believed in putting his efforts into it yeah. he you know and he's i mean he has grown him and brandon evans have grown with this business more than anyone and they will continue to do so just brady is one of the hardest working soldiers out there and i, I will mm-hmm. put him up against anyone i mean that guy he's the guy that'll go on a 18 day backpack hunt and anytime he gets service on a on a mountain peak he's working like yeah. it, it, guy he's He's unbelievable. I mean, like his work ethic is absolutely unmatched and I'll put it up against anybody. Wow. And that's awesome. when he was here, like, it, I mean, that it showed through his, through his social media, it showed through his first day here on site and continues to show through now seven and a half years, seven years later. So he, uh, we pulled him out of the back country and <laughs> anyways, I mean, scraggly hair, beard yeah. down to chest. <laughs> Like literally the Brady Miller that everyone sees today is who walked into our office on day one. Um, unbelievably smart, just so dedicated. Brady is like, he's been a gift for, for this business. I mean, mm-hmm. his fingerprints are all over Gohan, obviously. I think anybody could see that. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, then we hired another tech guy. Then we hired another hunter, another tech guy, another hunter. We've been focused on that ever, ever since. I mean, that nice. is true how we've been focused. And when we have 
these collaborative meetings, product and research, we, we keep them product being the engineers and, and tech people. I mean, they don't have meetings by themselves. There is always our hunters, our hunters in that, in that group, Brady, yeah. Brandon, Trail, Neville, myself, like we are always in it with people. Yeah. Um, Cause you gotta be able to see it from both sides, exactly. like from you your customer's that, point of view. Exactly. You want the magic in between, right? Must know like, your audience. These engineers don't know anything about hunting. Right. And when we explain it to them, they will ask such a simple rudimentary question. That like you wouldn't so, even thought of. That because we're, I mean, it's the paradigm shift again, right? It's mm -hmm. like, we're, we're stuck behind our paradigm and, and we can't see it any other way. And that's just the way life goes when you become, you know, as deep into something as we are. Mm -hmm. And they will ask something so simple. And that is what we do. Like that is the start of the product we, we build is because of this completely you know, two-year-old type question about hunting. <laughs> and it happens time and time again. And that's, that's really been our secret sauce of, you know, we treat this, we treat this as, you know, the most formal business out there. Like you said, when you, when you're yeah. dealing with that and see these things come across, I mean, our, our backgrounds, Chris's background in business and my background in business is, is at the highest of levels. So we bring that maturity in, but also leave room for, for this collaboration of, you know, no, just because you don't know anything about hunting doesn't mean you shouldn't be in the meeting. Like you're the guy I want in the meeting, listen yeah. to us talk, ask your questions. Right. It's like, that's been the, that's been the secret sauce of, of, uh, of go hunt and what we built today. And a lot of outdoor classes is, is what came from that as well. Um, yeah, it's yeah. really refreshing to see that. Uh, I mean, this is just from my perspective, you know, outside of looking in. So I don't, but like, it seems like you've built a really cool culture there. Um, kind of like you're saying. And uh, I remember, you know, going to the expo and, and seeing Brady and Trail and then, you know, seeing, meeting uh, some of your tech guys too. And um, it was just cool having both sides of that there and, uh, and, uh, and, and like bringing that professionalism. Um, into the hunting space, I think it's is pretty cool. Yeah, and that and honestly, it needed that because that mm -hmm. was a lot. That was a lot of what was uncovered too. Is everything that existed before us, and I'm not afraid. I'm not a you know. I don't hide behind this at all. But everything before us, they were hunters first and business second. They had businesses so they could go hunting. Right. This has nothing to do with that. Like everybody always asks and says like, Oh man, it must be so nice to, to have a hunting company. Like you must hunt so much. I hunted way more before. Yeah. Company. Like, you know, it's, I, I shouldn't be the one doing it. Right. We should be listening to the people who are using mm -hmm. our products. Like the, these real world people out there, our customers who are using the products on their family hunts, their weekend hunts, their, you know, their off time research. That's who we're listening to. I don't need to hunt. Right. Like I, the foundation of my hunting is what the foundation of my hunting and the foundation of Chris's online experience and everybody we brought from, from start to finish onto the team. We, we have what we have now it's time to listen to the customers. I don't need to hunt anymore. Like I, my foundation is what created a lot of the vision and now it's up to our customers to provide the rest for us. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a business first. And that was a lot of our DNA and the culture here is like, Look, we're, there is a really good culture here. I'm very proud of that. Uh, it's been fun to build a, you know, a mid medium sized business, but keep a small startup type of culture. Right. 
right? Like, and that's a hard thing to do to, to have that small startup culture, but also have like this well put buttoned up, you know, presentation right. to, to what we do and do, do things the right way. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like that balance there of like, um, you know, like being best friends with your kid. It's like, it, yes, yes we're best friends, but I gotta, right. Yeah, I gotta exactly. discipline you sometimes. And, it, and it's hard to do. So, yeah. um, so yeah, we, we've, we've created that just over time, you know, kept that startup DNA and, and created that business first mentality, no matter what over time. And, uh, and that's what we do. So, and that's what we're dedicated to is we're dedicated to the customers, not ourselves. Like yeah. this isn't about, right. This isn't about me going on more hunts next year, like more customers. So I can right. go on hunts next year. I'm, I want to get to a point where, you know, we're so busy. Maybe I don't hunt like mm. for, right. Like that's what I'm dedicated to is making this product to where it's getting enough people out in the field that we're, we're that busy, you know? Yeah. That's cool, man. Even like, even into your, I can see that even into like to your gear shop. Cause like, um, you know, I can, you know, I know pretty much if I look at something in the go hunt shop is like, I know it's legit because probably trail and Brady looked at it or like made sure, you know, like, um, and same thing. Like I've, I've just texted trail before me like, Hey man, you got any recommendations on boots <laughs> and he'll answer my questions, you know? And, um, and we're kind of, I mean, I would say we're kind of friends, you know, I don't know him super well, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I know anything in there is probably legit. And, um, yeah. so, so where that, where that came from is we have, we had, we have so much, time in the field between trail Brady, myself, Brandon, you know, Dave Barnett, all these other guys we have in the, in the office, we have wasted so much money on, <laughs> on things that are supposed to be good, right? Yeah. Like new, whatever you want to call it comes out and it's got a new way of doing something. Right. Like we're, we're the ones, we're the idiots that spend our money to try it. Right. <laughs> and Luckily in the past, like I did, I had so many hunts in the past and did so much hunting in the past that like, I could, I could have a hunt a day or two ruined by gear. Cause then I would just go hunting again. Like it, most right. people don't have that though. Most yeah. people are on their, you know, one week, two weeks, three weeks a year, whatever mm -hmm. it is, they don't have time to blow five days on, on failed gear. Yep. And we were getting a lot of questions from people of, of, you know, why do you run that tent or backpack or boots or bow, bow site, whatever it is in the, in the films we were making, um, you know, we were using those just as, as marketing. I mean, there's, there's no better marketing in the, on the planet than these filmed hunts. Yeah. And, uh, we were getting a lot of those questions. So we decided, why don't we, why don't we create a store where, this is only the stuff that we have spent our money on and has worked for us. Yeah. Right? Like we are confident putting in this, uh, these products that we carry, we are confident of putting these into a customer's hands and not ruining their hunt. Like yeah. that, that's the end all be all this. We don't want to ruin any hour, day, second, whatever it is of their hunt with the yeah. gear that we sell them. So let's create a store that is, that is only that. Yeah. I think Plus, you know, you're buying, you're buying like, sorry to cut you off, but, uh, you're buying, you're supporting a hunting company, even if, so like I was in the market for a zero degree bag, Kuyu yeah. and Stone Glacier have been sold out of zero degree bags, probably cause of the COVID yeah. or whatever for like ever. Um, yeah. and then I saw on the 4th of July sale, there's a Marmot zero degree bag, which I already have good experience with their bags and it was on sale for a really good deal. And yeah. I picked it up and I know I'm still supporting a hunting company. 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot to be said for supporting the hunting company too, because there's a lot of people out there that you spend your dollars with them and it's actually dollars that are going back to fight you on what you love yeah. to do. Right. R-E-I. So, exactly. So <laughs> I didn't, I didn't say the names. Um, yeah. So there's, that's, that's also a huge part of it too, was like, you know, we don't, there's not a lot of protection of, of this life that we love. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. more, the more, the better and true. And I'm talking true protection of the lifestyle. Right. And, you know, and it goes to something else you I've heard you say before, which is, um, was it, you said non-resident hunting is the purest form of conservation Correct. because at the end of the day, that's where your revenue to these states is coming in. That's what's paying for conservation dollars. And that's what the non-hunters or the anti-hunters don't realize. And what the, you know, the crusty old haters, they're like, oh, keep all these guys out of my state. And I get that, but we need, we need that. Yes, I get it too. And a lot of, how many times in life is the answer exactly what you wanted to hear? Like I have yet to have an experience in my life where, the answer to the problem is exactly what I want it to be. <laughs> yeah. It's always a give and a take. The, yeah. the answer is always a give and a take is that's, that's the right answer. And where we are with hunting today, you know, human expansion, drought, recreational expansion, mm. private land grabs, all this stuff that's going on. Like we have one way to combat it one way. And that's more hunters, more, right. more people who understand it and love this lifestyle is the way we can protect it. We're already losing it such a, I don't, this isn't no fear based at all. I don't, I can't stand that stuff. It's just the reality of talking about it is we're already in a point where there's really, I mean, it's going pretty fast. So like, we can't just keep doing what we're doing. We can't keep people out. We can't keep doing what we're doing. The, The example I like to use the best is Oregon this last year had a bill on the table that actually reached their state floor of killing all hunting, all hunting, wow. not, not fang and fur hunting, not, you know, the, the furry critter hunting. Like this is, I'm talking all hunting across the Just board. hunting ban. There was a bill that actually That's made crazy. it to the state floor. And to think like, yeah, it didn't pass. And a lot of people think all oh, the stuff like that will never pass. It made it to the floor. So yeah. you think it, it's already made it that far. How long is it until, you know, a state like Oregon is, is overrun by people yeah. who don't understand hunting, why it is here, why it's part of the lifestyle, you know, why humans are stored stewards of, of wild animals and wild places. Like yeah. that, anything insidious in life is never really like a, usually a full on frontal assault. It's always an erosion, a chipping exactly. away Very over time. small, clean erosion. So it feels like you're not losing. Mm-hmm. And you know, the reality is, is, is we are. So the way to combat it is educate people right? Tell them why it matters and what it is and what this lifestyle is. It's not what you think here. You know, this is what it truly is. I can't tell you there is not one anti-hunter that I have spent an hour with like, and I'm talking a level-headed one, not one of those crazy ones that just screams and yells, which I'm sure we all know some of those, but like by the end of the conversation, they see where I'm coming from. I see where they're coming from. And yeah. the, the middle ground is something we can both live with. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, so the, the reason I say non-resident hunting is the purest form of conservation. It's bringing dollars. Oregon isn't supporting themselves just on their resident dollars. I mean, they're having a bill reach the state floor that is out there to kill all hunting. You know, what would help that is more non-residents applying into that state. Mm -hmm. The state has more money to spend on fish and wildlife 
education, fish, fish and wildlife protection, on easements, on land protection, on water protection and water rights, whatever it is like yeah. that. That's how the, the nation is set up with the, the Pittman Robertson fund such that the more people who apply, the better. That is that is the ultimate lines of protection is the state getting their hands on enough money to protect the lands and the animals to the best that they see fit, the ones that are actually in control of, of doing it. We can all donate to nonprofits and all this stuff, and that does help. It does work. They do a great job. But it's not on the ground level of these right. of each of these, you know, single states yeah. where, you know, every Colorado has a great hunting has a great hunting culture. They have a lot of hunting opportunity. It's probably one of the most dense non-resident hunting states out there with the amount of elk opportunity and, and all this stuff. There's so much money that goes into that state for hunting because of non-residents. Their hunting is doing fairly, doing well, right? I mean, obviously people are always coming after fur and fang like, like everywhere, but yeah. the more people you can get into that state to protect those types of bands, yeah. the better, the better it is. So we need to start getting, you know, it's, the neighbor helping helping the neighbor right it's like oregon needs some help what's the way we can help let's all apply in there and give them some more money yeah because money talks I mean, I and... it's an ultra simple way to say it um you know i don't want to be called out on a black and white conversation here but that's just a really simple way to say it in a quick amount of time yeah and yeah even the Pittman robertson thing is under attack which i recommend people go to like sci yeah. or whatever and and you know sign i signed that petition or whatever to to you know, make sure that doesn't happen. But interesting, the Robertson in that is the dad of Pat Robertson. He was a senator. His name is Willis Robertson. His son is Pat Robertson, who's a famous televangelist, who was my former employer through the Christian Broadcasting Network. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so I know you're a busy dude. It's been about an hour, so I don't want to take too much more time. But before we go, I do want to ask you really quick just about outdoor class. Yeah. Um, just, you don't have to, we don't have to go into a ton of detail, but just tell folks what it is, why, you know, why you set it up and, and why it's valuable. Yeah. So a lot of this came from that magic that I've been talking about where, you know, the, the second grade type of question coming to a seasoned hunter from our, from our product and technologist, things that we were uncovering, uh, uh, the questions, some of these questions that they were asking, what it was leading to is just education, like full-blown education. And yes, Go Hunt does an amazing job of surfacing information and surfacing opportunity and surfacing tips and tactics and, and things like that. But there's there's this education part that, you know, the, the, the long-lasting extended education part that kind of drops off. Mm. And Go Hunt already does enough and does so much that it's hard for us to explain everything. And we've, yeah. we've honestly had, we've had this issue for a very long time of trying to explain everything it does. If no, if someone's not willing to listen to us for 15 minutes, then we can't get out really the true word of, of what it does. The last thing we wanted to do was add an education piece into that. And education, I think, deserves a, a spot of its, a, a place of its own. And I know education isn't like, a, you know, the most uh, attractive word out there. Um, so I don't, I'm trying to find a better word to, to paint it in right now or a better light to paint it in, but this outdoor class came together and now exists for a true one-on-one hunter that the analogy I like to use here is when you go get your driver's license, when you finish your 
driver's ed course, like you are a, you know how to drive a car. You know what you're doing. You have to go take a test. You have to go do this. The day you get your license, you know, you are proficient-ish, you know, behind the wheel of a car, as long as you're not a crazy teenager like I was. I wouldn't say I was very proficient. My my teenage mind got the better of me a couple of times. Me too. Um, but like, you do know what you're doing behind the, the wheel of a car. When you go get your hunter safety, you still, like there is still, okay, you get your hunter safety card. There is still like a, okay, now what? There right. is a, okay, now what moment when you get that hunter safety card? There's, there's a huge void there, right? And these questions that we have been asked over, over a period of time from our technologists and people who are new to hunting, there's like, there needs to be a starting point for, for those people Yeah. of, okay, hunter safety card. Here's, here's what's going to make you a competent hunter. Like hunter safety doesn't do that. This will, yeah. this course will make you a hunter. You will be competent and, and confident when you go out into the woods of not wasting time, being proficient, understanding how to get the animal back home and do what you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will yeah. be proficient in, in that type of education. Or even if you're coming from a purely whitetail or waterfowl background, uh, I think this is really helpful for those guys who want to come out west. and Because and, yes. spot and stalk western hunting is very different from very different eastern whitetail. Very, very different. And so that was the starting point. But that's a, that's a pretty narrow vision for, for a business. Um, so we, we kind of extrapolated that into the, the long-lasting education where – you know, guys like me are trying to hone the last, you know, 10, 20% of their skills on something that doesn't happen all the time, right? Like I've been, I'm so close to drawing the tag I want in Utah, the elk tag I want in Utah as a non-resident. It's taken me way too many years. The last thing I want to do is to go into that hunt. I mean, and it's not a hunt that I'm, I get to do a lot, right? Like, or ever for that matter. So I want to hone the last parts of my early elk calling skills, right? Like I want to go out there and kill a mature bull. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting forever for this tag. Um, it's a unit I've spent a lot of time in. I know what's in there, but I've never hunted elk at this specific time of the year. And I know, you know, listening to Corey Jacobson, and I know listening to some of these, these crazy seasoned elk hunters out there, you can get these mature bulls to sound off early before, you know, pre-rut in, in, you can, you can work your way in on them. I want to learn that before I draw this tag, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to hone this, this last yeah. little bit of my elk hunting skills before I draw this tag. So then it, it, this outdoor class becomes like the one-on-one platform. And then also the let's hone the last bits of your, of your skills for some of these tags that are looming out there that you have the possibility of, of drawing, mm-hmm. right? It's like be the lucky one to draw the random strip tag, Arizona strip mule deer tag. I want to know a little bit more about desert mule deer before I'm yeah. going to, I'm never have the tag again in your life. Best tag in the world. you right. Yeah. Like I want to do as much as I can to be proficient before I hit that hunt. For sure. Uh, and you know, you, you time that with all the skills you've learned over the past, like all the skills I've learned on the general season deer hunts and hunting these different States and all this stuff. But I still want to know that little bit more before I actually go off into that, into that opportunity. So um, it's become a very well-rounded out education platform of just hunting overall. Mm. Um, and then obviously there's the fun side of like culinary and cooking. Yeah. And, um, then we have some, like, we have some cool stuff we're working on for 
kind of like thriving in the backcountry kind of oh, stuff. Cool. Right. It took me a while. Been on a lot of backcountry hunts, a lot. I've uh, been super fortunate to go up north on some sheep hunts. I've learned a lot through failure over mm-hmm. the years of backcountry hunting. Um, I would have loved this course we're talking about putting together would have been really nice to have before I hit my first backcountry hunt. Or yeah. Backcountry hunt at that rate. You've, so you've done Alaska and doll sheep? Yeah, I have. I just booked mine for 23. Did you? Oh, sure. oh man. Yeah. Oh, that's. I've, I've, you got a stone. Got a, got Dang, a that doll sheep is huge. I drew my desert, New Mexico. Um, then I've done doll and stone. Now I got to draw the Rocky, Rocky somewhere. So, uh, awesome, but yeah, dude. like it's become a really well rounded out, like hone your skills, one-on-one type education platform. Nice. Um, and I think and like I said, it's beautifully put together. Thank you. Thank you. And I think everybody's started to learn like online education doesn't mean you're going back to school, right? This is like, this is the kind of stuff that is interesting and that you want to learn and want right. to figure out. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool, man. Um, one species, one weapon, one terrain type for the rest of your life. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> so my, my easy answer to that, I tell people all the time, I would killing a big mule deer with your bow. Like that is, that is my ultimate like when that happens, there is nothing in better, nothing better in life than that for me on the hunting side of things. Enjoy and enjoyment though, like on the full hunt enjoyment, front ish back country antelope hunting with the muzzleloader is like cool. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, There's a Colorado antelope muzzleloader tag that I probably will be able to draw next year, hoping to do. So we'll see. My, I drew mine last year and it was one of the most enjoyable hunts I've ever had. Cool, um, yeah. Antelope are so fun. It is this my but first Western. If I, but if I had, to choose, if I tra- had to choose one of anything, it would be high desert archery mule deer for sure. Okay. Like I, could, I could live with that for the rest of my life. Cool, man. Well, dude, it's been a little over an hour, so I appreciate, I know we probably yeah. went over a little bit, but dude, uh, I really appreciate your time. It's been great getting to know you and, uh, Hope to see you again sometime soon. Maybe you can link up, uh, I don't know, sometime this year or the expo or whenever. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah, man. It. Thank you.